You're listening to the Local Open Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Heath, and today we talk with Sarah Smith. Sarah is the perfect example of Canadian rock artistry. She has shared the stage with Thundermug's Bill Durst, 5440, Melissa Etheridge, Brian Adams, and others. Sarah even developed a following in southern Texas before the pandemic put a pause on live gigging everywhere. Her unique rock sound remains in front of her fans due to extensive touring in both Canada and Europe. Her lyrical styling from early gospel influences in her life to the edgier rock she came to embrace as she grew in her musical journey will all be explored in this episode as Sarah shares four of her brilliantly produced songs. If rock is your thing, you'll become a fan after sampling the Sarah Smith sound. And we have with us today, Sarah Smith. How are you doing, Sarah? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Tim. Um, I am fantastic. I feel relaxed and rejuvenated. I've been off the road for about 10 days now, and it feels like I'm on holidays pretty much. <laughs> ah, a musician coming off the road. That's what, that's what dreams are made of for musicians, isn't it? That you have enough work that you can be on the road gigging and and earning a living and getting your music out there. It is. It is a dream, and it's a dream I've been living so many years, and I am very fortunate, and I'm very grateful, and every morning I give thanks for this life that I've been given. Um, you know, the road has its challenges, um, but as, a, as an independent artist, it is where we make our living. So, again, I'm very grateful. Yeah, so... You came on my radar just, uh, I believe, frankly speaking, I was trolling the internet for, uh, <laughs> that sounds creepy, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry, that uh, creep factor just went up. No, but that's how I find, when I make cold contacts, that's how mm -hmm. I do it, right? I find people that interest me, uh, not just that are immensely popular, because I have some newbies that I've interviewed over the last couple of years. I heard your music. I think the first song I heard was Your Name. Mm. was the first song I listened to and uh, really liked the song. And then uh, I decided I listened to a couple others and I had to reach out and make you a part of the local open mic family. Wow. Thank you so much. And I'm happy that you found my music. And it's great that um, Your Name um, drew you in because it's one of my my newer songs and it I is. love that I love that song as well so I'm glad yeah. that you heard it yeah it is and and so I listened to other music and I said you know like I said I want to I want to interview you and I reached out and it took a while for us to finally connect and get this thing hammered out but here we are as they say and uh, if only they could see us now right Tim yeah. <laughs> 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 you know the last interview I did uh no, two interviews ago. Uh, it's a gal from Pittsburgh uh, named Teddy Brunetti. And we were talking, and at one point she was, uh, she made some comment about, uh, yeah, you never know how people are, you know, dressed when they're on camera. I mean, you might not have any clothes on under that shirt. <laughs> okay, <laughs> awkward moment. Um, <laughs> I can assure yes. you I do. <laughs> yes. 
That is so great. That is awesome. <laughs> She's uh, she was a, a rocker from the seventies and eighties, and uh, nice. has, has quite a background. But then I digress here. So tell us what's been going on in this last year for you. Uh, I understand you came off a uh, a cruise, a yeah, gig, man. and it, some other things. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. It's been incredibly crazy. Um, about a year ago, exactly, I moved out to the west coast of uh, of Canada to British Columbia, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I made the move. So I, I came from London, Ontario. Um, it was very hard to leave London. It's been a city that's uplifted and raised me really, and supported my career. And I still hope that I will be able to go back and forth to Ontario um, for lots of shows, which is proving to be the case because I do have lots of shows coming up back in Ontario as well. So I kind of am just happy to be here close to nature in British Columbia and also happy to be able to go back to see my loved ones and see my fans and play music there in Ontario. Anyway, so I moved here with my partner to British Columbia. We uh, started joining in in the, in the community here. Um, you know, I've been doing some wood chopping out here in BC, things that I would never do in Ontario, <laughs> you know, wood chopping and just like learning how to live off the land a little bit. We have a huge garden now. And oh, fun. Yeah. And, you know, I'm working, uh, helping out at the recycling depot, learning how to recycle things out here. It's like learning how to recycle out here takes months of training, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, that's been my home life. And other than, you know, my home life here, I've been um, playing music and traveling the world through a, even in a pandemic. So I traveled to Europe and did seven weeks touring there. I did uh, a couple of stints back in Ontario, as well as some British Columbia shows. And I also just got back from playing on the Melissa Etheridge cruise. Yes, that's what I noticed. That's why I mentioned cruise earlier. Mm -hmm. it, it was a, an incredible experience that I won the opportunity to play on. I won a slot out of three artist slots. I won one of them and uh, it was the best career highlight of my life so far. Who were the other artists that uh, got slots? The other artist was Betsy Aid and the well-known strangers. Fantastic artist, fantastic people as well. Um, and Christy Linnae. And, I don't know either of them, so. Well, they're both fantastic artists and two people that I really hope I get to tour with again. Oh, well, that's good. And I take it Melissa performed also? Oh, yes. Melissa Etheridge was the main performer. And, and other performers that were main artists that didn't just win a spot but actually got hired to play <laughs> were like Nancy Wilson of Heart. Oh, okay. Um, Sean Colvin. Yep. Uh, Sunny came home, uh, you know, Katie Tunstall. Yep. She was fantastic. Also, Lindsay um, L. She's a big up-and-comer in Canada, huge up-and-comer that's uh, also a judge on Canada's Got Talent right now, I believe. Um, Lindsay L., she was fantastic. Um, you know, one of my favorites was Kathy Richardson. Kathy sang with Janis Joplin's band um, for about 20 years. And then she most recently, I think it's been 10 years now, she's been singing with Jefferson Starship. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was huge. She's an amazing singer, too. Amazing. 
Um, then there was Sonia Lee. Sorry, she's a she's a fantastic up and comer. Um, Sonia Lee had um, just a great fan base on the ship with her, and she kind of took me under her wing a little bit and made me feel like quite the rock star there in that ship. So it, it was her fourth year playing the Melissa Etheridge cruise. So it was an honor to meet her and play on a stage with her. So the cruise is, was a highlight. Now, did you do all of that this year? Or does yes, this go? I've, wow. I've done it all this year. I've done, uh, I've done it all this year. It's been a crazy, exciting adventure. I'll okay. Tell you. So where in Europe did you travel? I've traveled throughout Europe uh, a number of times myself. This time, um, our shows were only in Germany and the Netherlands. And we do really have a great fan base and a great friend family over there, Germany and the Netherlands. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been to Germany. Uh, I do have some family up in um, the, the northwest part of Germany in a small town called Heidi. And I have... Uh, their, their cousins, um, they would be uh, Berlin and down in um, the south near the near the mountains. Near Munich. Yeah, Munich. Munich. Yeah. I think yes. they pronounce it Munich. Munich? Mon- they, they say um, mon- uh, Munch. Munch? Actually, yeah. <laughs> I <Okay>. know. <laughs> Shows you how out of touch with the German thing I am, but uh, they... <laughs> They all speak English, so I don't have to carry the burden of uh, really, really limited German. True. Um, now, I'm going to say that I, I am totally out of practice as well. And I used to be really quite practiced, but uh, yeah, I'm out of practice, so I could be totally wrong there. So <laughs> you can correct me another time if I'm wrong. Yes. Uh, in, down in Munich, there's a lot of old German spoken. Right. As opposed to the rest of Germany, which is a little more current. Uh, but there are some, some in Bavaria areas yeah. down down near there where it's it's really, you know, the type of German that you would have heard a few hundred years ago. Yeah, Bavaria German for sure. But each um, part of Germany actually has its own dialect. And uh, like there's all sorts of uh, different dialects in Germany and some some parts of German Germany, they can't even understand other areas of Germany. <laughs> like, they just can't even understand each other. It's hilarious. Some of my fans can't understand each other. That sounds like an absolutely exciting year. So your your latest release, is that the song Your Name? Yes. Um, I would believe that that is my latest release, and I also released it on um, a USB stick, I sold out of my physical copies, but I still have some available on my shop online. Okay. And on the USB stick, it's uh, there's 30 songs on there, all of which I wrote uh, when the world went still. And um, it's called When the World Went Still, this USB stick. And on it is like, you know, 20 some odd co-writes of people that I, I co-wrote, co-wrote with during the pandemic. And um, there's some you know, quarantine songs that I did with other musicians in the comfort of our own homes. And it's just all from When the World Went Still. And Your your Name, God, is also on that USB stick. Okay. So tell us about that song, and we'll get to playing it. Uh, what's the backstory behind it? During the pandemic, I didn't really feel like I could put into words how I was feeling. I didn't feel like my creativity was coming out properly. It's like something was blocking 
my creativity because I guess the momentum of my life had just been, um, had stopped like everybody else's as well. Um, so, um, this was the first song that I actually wrote that came out and I had been walking along the road, um, in my hometown of Pender Island and I'm walking here and going around the bends and seeing the ocean and seeing, you know, the beautiful sunshine peeking through the forests and over top of the mossy rocks. And, um, I just got hit with this deep sadness as well as a deep accepting of the sadness. And, uh, I just decided that then and there that, you know, I've accepted where I'm at. I've accepted where the universe is at right now. And the only thing I can do from here to find hope and to find some answers is to just like reach out and ask for those answers to come. And so it's there in the silence when I, when I ask and I just stay in the silence, that's when the answers come. So this song is about asking and reaching out and waiting for the answers to come. Well, that's a great story about the song. And there's a, a wonderful video you've done of it, too. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, I contacted a young man here on the island. His name is Kenta. And uh, him and I decided that we were going to do a lyric video. And that he, I would be using my own writing, my own handwriting throughout the video. And uh, the video was shot all over Pender Island. And I feel like it's a, just an absolutely beautiful, stunning backdrop for a video, and especially a video called Your Name, God. Okay. Well, let's get to that song and let everybody hear it. This is Your Name. When the day's
Wow. That's a great song. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. It was uh, just, you know what? I actually wrote it on acoustic and I sent it to my friend, Pat Anthony. He lives in Germany. And uh, he wrote me back the next day with that piano part and the full production. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so I was he, just so. So he was inspired too then. Yeah. Yeah. This year's been really exciting for you. Uh, why don't you tell us about what's been going on, say, in the last five years? I mean, you've had a lot that's led up to this moment. What's that been like? Yeah, Tim. I mean, I guess I could tell you, first of all, um, pretty much five years ago to the day, I began um, a decision in my life. And uh, on November 12th, five years ago, I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I stopped doing some habitual recreational drugs. I stopped eating meat and I just started a whole new life. I started over and I said, you know, this is, uh, I'm going to take my music seriously. Not that I wasn't before. I've always been taking my music seriously, but I just thought I'm going to discipline myself and I'm going to make, I'm going to really give it a, give it a go. And, um, I got fit. I got healthy. I started working out at the gym. I started lifting weights. I had a personal trainer and I just kind of went crazy on the health side because I knew that if I worked, if I worked on me, on in my insides and in my spirituality and on my physicality and my health, that my music would only get better, which it did. I was able to write about the, the demons I've been hiding from my whole life and I was able to write music about it. And um, uh, in the last five years, I guess I've come out with... Um, three studio albums you know a christmas album a live album uh, also a couple singles throughout the, that time um a usb stick of covid songs and lots and lots of music well you sent one of the christmas songs along and uh, yeah. that's a very good christmas song i like it very much and i'm i'm sorry we didn't get to this interview sooner because i put out a christmas playlist that's doing really well right now and that, oh. that song would have fit in great. It would have been wow. wonderful to have on it. But uh, next year, we can include your Christmas songs next year. Uh, Amazing. I'm, I'm going to make that an annual thing. That's a lot of stuff going on in the last five years. So you, you started to reset your life, make a fundamental change. And so how did that progress as you started it? I know you did the, you, you talked about uh, getting off of, I'll call it, substance abuse not mm. in the not in the intervention kind of way but mm. abusing our bodies and doing too much drinking or eating or whatever it was you made that fundamental change did you do that all on your own i had been sort of dabbling with that change for many many years i was in and out of programs trying to figure out how i could be a better me and finally, um, on that particular day, when I decided to just make this change, I had um, reached my own, I guess, bottom. And I was able to make that change with the help of, you know, some recovery programs and friends and supporters. And I also left a relationship that, you know, unfortunately just wasn't meeting my needs and desires anymore at that time. It wasn't healthy for either one of us in that relationship. And I've also since then 
met a really beautiful person that I love and adore and have started a new love and a new relationship, you know. So with all this letting go and, and loss and, you know, changing and it, there comes grief because letting go is very hard, but there also comes um, you're opening your life up to new adventures, new people, new love, and a new life. Well, they say that metal only gets refined through fire, right? Mm, so you, wow. become, you become stronger, uh, better, more pure, mm-hmm. uh, durable mm-hmm. comes to mind. So, yeah, we all have to go through fires at some point, And I guess how we exit those fires determines what's going to happen next. Right. So uh, that's very good. Is there anything else in the last five years? I mean, that's a lot to to have happened. <laughs> oh man, I mean, it's hard to look back for me. I don't, I don't look back very often, to be honest. Uh, so much happens in a life of a musician. I mean, yeah. we we all have lives that are crazy and adventurous, but on the road, there's just like every day is an adventure, and so when I live it the next morning I wake up and I have to start fresh and try not to live too much in the past anymore. So I don't look back very often. I just kind of stay here and try to focus on what I'm doing now. Okay. So one of the other songs that uh, I really stood out to me was Shine Bright. Uh, mm. Can you tell us about that song? Yes. Uh, I have a thing about Shine Bright too. It was probably the first song that I really recorded professionally as my solo self. So I was in a band called The Joys, and we were we were rocking all over the place. And um, on the side, I sort of started doing my own songwriting by myself because I just felt this need to do something for me. And then eventually The Joys broke up, and I was able to focus on my own solo music. And this song was written actually after I went and tried out for Canada's Got Talent. I waited in line for, you know, 14 hours in Toronto at the Sky Dome. And I waited in line and I met all these people and, and I went, they, they herded us all through the Sky Dome hallways and finally here I was standing in front of the three judges overlooking the empty Sky Dome, packed, like a huge arena with nobody in it. And I did my audition and I, I thought it was like the best thing I've ever done in my life. I thought there's no way they could not take me. I killed it. (laughs) Yeah, I killed it. And so I waited for that Friday for the callbacks to come. And um, I didn't even make the first callback. I didn't even make the first callback. Death to Smoochie. (laughs) So I was devastated and I thought, screw this, you know, Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life and how to do my career in music. I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to do it, you know, the way that I feel um, I'm being guided to do it. So I hopped in the car and I drove to Blue Mountain, which is Ontario's version of a ski mountain, which is just pretty much a blip, a blip hill. And I, (laughs) I drove there and I met up with a guy named Tim Thorny and he had just finished recording the Alanis Morissette album. Okay. And I thought he was God. And I got together with him and we co-wrote this song, Shine Bright. And it's about, you know, doing things for the right reason, not letting your ego get in the way, not listening to other 
other people's opinions when it comes to what your heart desires and just letting your light shine the way it shines. And so we wrote this song, Shine Bright. And you know how I got to record it? Check this out. I entered a Christmas contest for a radio station in London, Ontario. And I did a Bruce Springsteen cover of uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, <laughs> you know. And uh, I did it and I won. I won the contest. And the <laughs> contest. Congratulations, the contest, by the way. <laughs> woo, the contest winner got to record a song at the local studio, Emac Studios. So I got to record a song and I worked with this great producer, Kevin Doyle, and we recorded Shine Bright. And from there, I did a whole album with Kevin. Well, hey, let's listen to that song. This is called Shine Bright. Your fans are just going to love it. I'm sure as much as I do.
Well, that's a cooking song. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get out a lighter and turn it on and, and get bright. <laughs> yeah, shine bright, baby. That is an absolutely wonderful song, and it, it it's very uplifting. Um, did that do well publicly? I mean, I assume you had it released, and uh, did it get airplay? I mean, it, as an indie artist, I feel it did really well. Um, but as like a if an artist on a record label, I would say it was a total flop. So, you know, for me, um, my... Uh, calculator of something doing well is do people like it? Do they sing along? Do they request it? Do they buy your album? Do you know that's what that's what doing well means to me? Sure. Did it get radio play? I don't really know if I've ever got radio play. You know, I've been doing this a long time and I have some support from CBC and a few local radio stations. But you know, there was this one radio station, the one that I won the Christmas con the Christmas thing with. They were a local station in London called Free FM. Now they're Classic Rock 98.1. They played that song. They played it over and over and over for many years. Um, uh, other than that, you know, just local stations. And whenever I was visiting other cities on tour, people would play it on their stations. So that's considered to me a success. First moment I heard, I think that's the first song that uh, I started to listen to because the order it showed up. Uh, in the list you gave me, and immediately I start hearing it, and you know a song's good when when immediately you can identify with the theme and you start singing it and tapping your feet, and then I'm I'm wanting to clap and you know <laughs> hoot and holler and all of that stuff. You know, so many people love this song too, and it's 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 a it's a song universally amongst my fans. Like for my 40th birthday, a whole bunch of people got together and they did a flash dance for this song. You know, <laughs> and so now when I play it in certain circles, they they do the flash dance again. It's a uh, it's just an awesome tune. It just it makes people happy. It sure is. Yep. So I tell you what, why don't we uh, get to talking about some of your roots, uh, family life, and what was it like uh, for you growing up, and when you got your interest in music and and all of that. Just sort of free range it how you think it'd be best for us to hear the stories. I grew up uh, in a small town in Ontario called Arthur, and um, it was a population of two thousand people, and my mom and dad were um, quite active in the church. And so my life really was, you know, school, extracurricular, like all the sports and, and music classes, and then church on the weekends. And my mother, um, being a small town, she put me in all the choirs she could put me in. I was in, you know, the senior choir with all the old people, and I was in the junior choir with all the people my age, and I was in the community choir, and I was in the, um, you know, all the choirs. <laughs> and um, very early when I was like five years old, I got my first solo in church and I sang this song called A Bunch of May. And I remember picking out my, my dress for the show. I was only five and I remember this, picking out my dress for the show. And I remember singing the song, being very nervous. But I remember looking out and seeing um, all the ladies in the church were crying. And they, were, they, had, they, they had been touched by my song. And um, five-year-olds don't get that. <laughs> exactly. And I thought, whoa, this is some powerful stuff. You know, <laughs> music is making these people cry. So 
I also knew at that point that the power of music and my mom always taught me that music was a gift from God, you know, that music is a gift and it's a talent that's given to you and that you need to use it um, for, you know, to help other people and, and be humbled by it and not take advantage of it. So, you know, even though some of the beliefs that she believes in, I don't necessarily 100% believe in some of those beliefs, but I do believe what my mom says, that music is a gift and it's been given to me. And so my whole life I've been using it as a gift and I, I never take advantage of it. Um, uh, so, you know, I guess my next phase was um, in high school, I played in a band. I was a drummer and, uh, and uh, I played in a band called Fries and Gravy. <laughs> and I was a, I was a singer, singing drummer. <laughs> and then from there, I got my first guitar. And um, I just started writing music about all my, you know, breakups, all my breakups, my love lost. And, and I started writing songs about all these people that I had loved that were no longer with me. And, you know, those songs made people cry, too. So I eventually realized that music was very powerful and that, you know, people will relate to... Um, to our life adventures through music. Um, you know, I joined the military out of high school. Um, nobody told me that you could be an artist in your life. Nobody told me you could have a career in music. So um, partway through my first year, my officer uh, told me, you know, Smith, you'd make a great musician. You know, the Army would be We'll be sad to let you go, but really, you should just go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what? You can what? make money and you what? can have a career? What? 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 And from that day on, I've been a full-time musician. You know, in the U.S. military, they would have stuck you in one of the, the uh, several really highly regarded military bands that they have. That do... Oh, I was in one. I was in oh. two, actually. Oh, okay. Of course. I was in the uh, the pop band and I was in the marching band. I played drums in it in the middle of the winter with frozen gloves. You know, <laughs> yeah, I definitely was in the bands and I loved that part of the military. Um, but I just, I was a songwriter and there was something in my eyes, I think, or in my passion that people could feel that I, I was hungry for it. And I got a lot of support when I was young and a lot of people just kept saying you should do this you, sh you really should be a singer you should do it be a songwriter do it and so I just did it so when did you first pick up a guitar uh I was only, I was about 13 when I picked up like a real guitar like my dad had a guitar at home and I would pick it up but I never learned how to really play it um I would read the little uh, piano I, I played piano when I was a kid and I would read the piano sheets and they had these little boxes with little finger court charts of where you put your fingers on a guitar. And so I sort of started looking at those little charts and I found a guitar at my Nana's house and it had a few strings on it. So I started teaching myself how to place the chords with this like two string guitar. And then eventually my parents bought me a guitar for Christmas and it was all over after that. Oh yeah, yeah. About 13 years old, you start uh, playing guitar. You, when did you pick up piano? Uh, I was like five when I started piano lessons. And um, I loved taking my lessons. I loved, I was very disciplined and I loved learning. But there was a certain point where I just wouldn't stay on the page anymore. <laughs> 
you know, I would just go off and do my own little, sure. write my own songs. I would start always, like the first couple, you know, I don't know what they're called. The first couple notes on the piano, I would be playing it perfectly on the page. And then all of a sudden, I would go off on my own. And so my teacher just said, listen, she's more creative than theory based. So why don't you just let her write her own songs? So I wrote a lot of songs on piano and drums as well. And I would tape them on a little cassette tape. I would tape the drums and then I would play the drums on another cassette tape. And I would tape my piano parts over top on another blank tape. So I learned how to like produce too wow. using cassette tapes. Yeah. yeah. That's what you do when you live on a farm. It's very boring. So <laughs> I learned how to like I just have on a fun. Farm. Yeah. <laughs> At one point. <laughs> so. Yeah. There's, there's not, nobody around just like me and the pigs. So, you know, I just did everything I could with music. But, you know, animals are very um, patient listening to us sing and work on our music if, if you do it around them. I know. Look at Elsie, my dog, right now. <laughs> what kind of dog? He's a big, big old black lab <laughs> and, a, and a mast. He's a mastador. He's a lab and a bull mastiff put together. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Why don't we get to another song? Uh, I really like your music, so this is quite easy for me. Uh, there's a song you did called Chosen. Tell me about that. Oh, man. Chosen is one of my favorites from this past couple of years. It's, it's on my USB stick, When the World Went Still, songs from When the World Went Still. And um, Chosen is uh, a song that we wrote um, from the comfort of our own homes, three of us, myself, Jen Marino, and Noelle Francis. Jen and Noel lived in London, Ontario, and I was here in Vancouver, on Vancouver Island during these recordings. And we wrote this song over Zoom, and it's a song about uh, family, family love. And we decided to sort of change it up and, and write about the chosen family that we create when we're adults, and we are allowed to create our own version of family. Okay, well, let's get to it. This is called Chosen. circle of love But you are the ones who have raised me up Familiar feeling comfort and warmth It's what I've always dreamed of Take on the wild rides 
That's a powerful song. There's some yeah. uh, harmonies going on in there that made me think of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Wow! It's, you uh, know what's so interesting is Jen and Noel. They did the harmonies, and they didn't even like talk about them. They did their own harmonies, and they turned out absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful song. It's like an anthem almost of uh, exactly you know, family and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. at some point it starts to almost feel larger than life. You know, I can mm-hmm. imagine it being done in a, an arena sized place where people kind of know the, the song and they sing along and it's this great big, you know, big hug from everyone. Mm-hmm. Joining together that. to be family. Wonderful song. Thank you. So let's talk about professional life. When did you start doing things 
I guess after you exited the military. Mm -hmm. uh, what, so, what, what was that like? Exiting the military or the military? No, uh, life after. after the military and your music yeah. career. Yes, yeah, so I was actually dating a guy who became my husband, and um, and he was a singer-songwriter, and I joined his band and played guitar with him for a while. And then um, after that, I actually uh, joined a band with a gentleman named Bill Durst. And Bill Durst was in a popular Canadian band called Thundermug back in the 70s. Bill, Bill was a fantastic artist. Um, so we did a, a songwriting thing together called Big on Venus. So Big on Venus, we were uh, together for a couple of years. And, you know, when my marriage kind of went south, <laughs> um, I started a different band. And it was called Pop Joy. And from there, Pop Joy became the Joys. So for a good 10 years, I did Pop Joy and the Joys. And it was a, a, a pop rock band turned into more of a rock band in the end. And uh, we started as like a cover band doing sort of 80s covers put to dance to dance sort of mixes and uh, eventually started writing original music. So what was your first original song? As, uh, well, I mean, Big on Venus, we had tons of original songs. You mean my own personal original song? Yeah. Or my own personal original song was called You Came Back to Me. Um, before that, there was a bunch of other songs like Oh Canada and Jesus Wept and all these songs kind of based on either religion or Canadian things. You know, but the real first real one that really came from my heart was called You Came Back to Me. And it was a song written for my boyfriend at the time who I had broke up with, right? I broke up with him. And the day after I broke up with him, I went to his house and I said, oh my God, I made a mistake. Can you, can you please forgive me and let's, let's start over? And he said, nope, I already got a new girlfriend. <laughs> what? <And> so... <laughs> You know, my heart was just so broken and I learned a lesson so bad there that, you know, you can't play with fire. And so I wrote that song, You Came Back to Me, and it was like, you came back to me. Um, uh, I can't remember the words now. Everyone makes bad mistakes in their lives. You forgave me for all those times. You came back to me. And I remember playing that song for my parents and they were crying, bawling their eyes out for their little girl who was just so heartbroken. And yeah, that was my first song. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking that somebody who suddenly has a girlfriend a day later, I have no words for that. <laughs> well, you know what? They went on to get married. They married each other. They had a bunch of kids together. And wow. so they okay. were happily ever after. Yeah, there you go. Life is messy. Life is messy, life is hard, and I think we're all doing our best. And, you know, there's so many lessons to be learned. And I, I never did anything the right way when I broke up with my marriage, you know. Never did I do it the right way. I don't think there really is a right way. Do you have uh, um, any children? No, no children, no. Okay. Um, 
No, I've been married twice already, though. Once was to my ex-husband, Justin, and once to was my ex-wife, Janine. And um, both times, you know, I definitely learned a lot about myself that I, you know, I wish I would have known better. I, I've learned a lot. And finally, now I can say that I'm honest with myself and what I've done. Well, you know, you, you can only learn it when you learn it, right? Exactly. You, know, you can't, um, a lot of times we'll say, I wish we'd known this stuff earlier, but you know, your life comes to a point where you're ready for whatever lesson you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to call it going around the mountain when you didn't learn the lesson you're supposed to learn. You went around the mountain again yeah. until it came full circle to learn that lesson again. And, yeah. you know, if you uh, didn't get it, around the mountain again mm-hmm. and so uh, your life carries on but eventually that one thread of knowledge that you're the universe is bound and determined that you know uh, is going to come around again so mm-hmm. it's best to learn those things the first time through <laughs> I don't know if I ever could have though you know because I always felt like my intentions were good and that can, that can really harm a person because even if your intentions are good you know, like we all make mistakes. Yeah, so. sure. Exactly. So uh, professionally, um, what are the high points for you and who you've played with? You know, you can name drop if you want. I think your fans will probably be find that fun to hear if they <laughs> haven't already. I, I am so not good at looking back. Like I said, um, Either that or my brain just can't remember things anymore. But um, I've played with some great artists. Like, I mean, Melissa Etheridge, for one, sure. that's huge, huge, huge. Um, I guess like 5440 and Joel Plaskett and M. Greiner and Loverboy and Platinum Blonde and, oh, man. I heard you know, 5440 uh, about three years ago now. Uh, they were just up uh, on the island in Campbell River, and my wife and I went to hear them. And being originally from the States, I never heard them before. No, exactly. They're huge here, though. Uh, never heard them. And I'm listening to their music, and you know, I, I turned to my wife and I said, I could so play this music. They could, if they just stuck me on the stage, I would know it. I would be exactly. able to do it. Because... Uh, even even the the range that they sing and the styling of the songs, just a great band. So um, have you done many uh, concerts with them? I did a few. I did one in King Carden and I did one in London at the Western Agriculture or Agriplex, I guess it was. That was like, you know, thousands of people. That was great. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I just never really... I was really grateful for every opportunity I've been given and grateful to be on the stage sharing it with other artists. Um, but I never looked at it like any different than just playing any other stage. To me, a stage is a stage. You walk on and you appreciate it. And um, the people that the people I'm surrounded with, you know, we're all the same. We're just people doing our art, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, we are. That's true. Um, yeah. So have you made many forays into the States to play? I have played um, with the Joys. We did a few cross America tours 
And myself and my trio, we played in South Texas a couple of winters in a row. We were starting to make a pretty good, significant um, fan base out there. Um, but due to COVID, of course, we can't go back for a little bit. We right. were welcomed back this year, but I decided to wait again. So, I would um, think your sound would be also highly welcomed in California in places. There's uh, especially Northern California. Um, it, it has a vibe that would go well there. I am so open and willing and able to do anything. And I've always loved California and would love to go to the States. I just need a little bit of help to get there. Sure. Um, so I'm always putting it out there that uh, management or agency is in my um, bucket list of universal gifts to come my way. <laughs> so tell me about AIM. I want to know about AIM. Yeah, AIM was a song that I wrote during the pandemic as well. And AIM was a song that I wrote uh, with a community of people in recovery or people that were going through um, challenges with their mental health during the pandemic. I gathered us all together in a podcast and we had um, nearly 200 listeners and we all wrote our feelings about what we were going through and what challenges we were up against. And with those feelings that were written down, my friend Polly O'Byrne and myself sat down and we wrote this song. So potentially I could say that close to 200 people wrote this song with me in Polly. Um, it was inspired by this event. And we wrote the song about, uh, it's called AIM because it's about drawing the arrow back into the darkness. And before you can find where you're going, you have to sometimes get into that darkness and then you can fling forward and have that forward momentum in your life and focus your goals again that's a good that's a good message let's play that and let the fans hear it all right it's been a blue kind of day i chalk it up to being bored i gotta get out of my way make some room Sun. I'm walking through the forest. I'm slipping through the mud. I need to change my course. It's time to navigate north. Feet planted, staring straight. Preparing to take it. Every day, keep my eyes. 
fun song, powerful song too, especially when you know the backstory to it. Right. I That's think one of those I, songs I was... that I, I had a whole different um, sense of the song now that I know the backstory, different meaning wow. uh, and uh, more meaningful. Let me put it that way. Good song. That's, Context. That's really cool. That's Context really cool. is everything, fans. <laughs> but, you know, songs do change meaning as you go, right? Like, there's songs I wrote 30 years ago that are so relevant to my life today, and they mean something completely different. You know, I interview a number of people that are really into co-writing. They're in a whole group of people. In a, it's a worldwide phenomenon, this whole, I think it's called Song Town is where they all started to get to know each other it revolves around nashville a lot but they have uh i think festivals or conferences uh, you know around the world but uh i was talking with one of the gals that uh, i've interviewed that's been very successful gotten a lot of notoriety uh, from her co-writing and stuff and she said you know what's interesting is is i had somebody do a song and they did it completely different than I thought and gave, gave a different feel. But in the end, when people hear your song and they start to do it, they take ownership of the message. And so it can morph into something you didn't expect and give it a whole new, whole new life that, you know, it's like sending your kid out into the world. You know, you have this, you, you think you know your kid and you write it sing it a certain way and suddenly somebody gets it and now your your child has got a whole new meaning to it so very fascinating very fascinating I imagine being uh, somebody like brian adams who like thousands of people daily cover his music and he must just be like wow think of all those um different versions of his songs <laughs> you know? lots of versions of his songs out there yeah yeah exactly so uh, I tell you what, let me get to some questions I typically ask people I interview. This is uh, not a difficult thing here, but it's it almost seems like boilerplate with some people that I have to ask. If there was something you'd do differently, what would it be in your music career, your musical journey? Wow, that's that's a tough question because I really truly feel like where I'm at, I'm happy to where I've, sure. I've yep. gotten and... I feel like I've appreciated everybody along the way. That's number one, right? Appreciate the people that make the music with you. Um, I feel like I've given kudos and credit to people that deserve it. Um, I feel in my heart that I've been listening to my intuition and been guided and listened to the guidance. And I feel like pretty much I've been me the whole time. And I've allowed myself to just be myself i really don't know if i would change anything yeah a lot of people answer just like that they they don't wow. they don't really have serious regrets a few do but um nothing that causes them probably grief at at that point in their career mm -hmm. what instruments do you play i would say that i play vocals <laughs> <laughs> that's not how this is gonna go <laughs> I, I mean i can i can like hack my way through a guitar and a piano and drums and 
uh, I can hack my way through about anything. Okay. You know, you give me a you give me a day with an instrument and I'll play it. But uh, I would say um, the vocals are the things that I've really tuned into. And rhythm playing on the guitar, I would say I'm a good rhythm player. So rhythm guitar, that's a great, great place to be. A uh, good rhythm guitar I, player. I love playing rhythm. And I've taken lessons. I'm trying to learn how to play better lead. I just, like, I get really scared when it comes to playing lead. I'm just not good at it. So naturally, it just does not come to me. So I really lean on the rhythm. What is your brand of guitar you like to play, your acoustic guitar? My acoustic, I play a Cole Clark. A Cole Clark, okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard I love the, it. I've heard the name before, but not often. Most people, you know, invoke Taylor cool. or Gibson or Martin. Cole Clark Fat Ladies all the way. <laughs> That's what I play. Are you I a, play my Fat Ladies. Do they sponsor you? <laughs> no, but I love them but they very, should. very much. They should at oh, this man. point. Oh, man. I think they should, too. I've got a lot of them. Well, right now I only have two. I've got a really nice one and a really shitty one. And, and the crappy one I actually use full-time as my gig, my gig guitar, and I take it everywhere with me. And uh, I've never heard a guitar sound so good in all my life. Pedals. Do you use any effects pedals when you play? I do. I play, um, when I play electric guitar, I use um, a tuner pedal. Okay. <laughs> oh, everybody needs a tuner pedal. <laughs> And I play uh, uh, with a delay. I have a Boss delay pedal. Okay. And I use a reverb slash tremolo pedal as well. A reverb slash tremolo. Is that a Boss pedal too? It's not. I got it from my bass player a couple of years ago, and I don't remember what the name of it is. Um, but uh, the reverb in it is great. Yeah. And the tremolo I use sparingly for kind of those southwestern sounds um, like... Like, you know, single note guitar notes that you want to sound like, whoa, 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 like uh, dust in the wind. I don't know. It's it's cool. Yeah, I'm, and I appreciate you telling us that you use pedals because recently I've interviewed just a barrage of people that when we're talking about their guitar work, they, they you know, flip their hair back and say, I'm a purist. I don't use pedals, <laughs> just the amplifier. <laughs> okay, well. It's cool to use just the amp. I get that. Yeah. Um, and as a, as a road person, the less you have on the road with you, the better. Trust me, anything can go wrong when you have pedals. But I use pedals very sparingly, but they bring out something just a little extra in those special moments. I, don't, I do not overplay them. I've like always I use used my pedals. De- <laughs> I use my delay maybe like, like maybe three times in the show. Yeah, back in uh, the 80s, uh, when um, I didn't have great pickups in my guild, I do now, uh, but when I didn't, I needed the benefit of a chorus pedal. So I had a Boss chorus pedal that I used for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, It was one of the original uh, CE chorus pedals that they had. So, okay, microphones. Is there a favorite microphone you like to sing or record with? Absolutely. I play, I sing and record and play live with my Beta 58. It's just my sure Beta 58. It never does me anything wrong. And it's good for my voice. And I even use it in the studio. And uh, I don't, you know, I've never been put down for using it in the studio. It seems to be okay for me. 
when I sing in, in live, I'm the person that pulls the mic away for loud notes and comes in for soft notes. And I do the exact same thing in the studio. Exactly. And I always tell the producer, just crank the gain and let me work the mic. Yep. Yep. That's the way to do it. And that's not even oh. taught a lot by people. Um, no. That's something that uh, the experienced people will know how to do. So uh, very good. That's, that's cool. So what's your favorite guitar amp that you use? I right now I'm using a Fender Hot Rod um, amp. Um, back in Ontario, I also have a Fender DeVille amp. So the Hot Rod has like two tens in it, and the DeVille has four tens. That's the difference, I believe. The other amp that I like to use in studio is a little Fender Champ. It's one of those oh, little okay. yellow amps, and yeah. I use it for all my studio recordings because it has a real crunch to it that none of my other amps have. You know, some of those do. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Do you, when you record at home, do you have hardware or software you use for recording? I use, um, for software, I use, um, Log Pro Logic or Logic Pro. Logic Pro, I, okay. Logic Pro. And I got that free from a Mac store once. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I know. And I still have the same one. And for, Hardware, I use um, just a preamp, like a little, um, I forget what they're called. Uh, it's like a Scarlett It's an interface, thing. yeah. An interface, yeah. It's an M-Audio. It's an yeah. M-Audio interface. Okay. It just has two inputs, and uh, that's what I use. That's it. Basic stuff. Basic stuff. To me, it's not, it's not always about gear. To me, it's just about, um, you know, what you do with the gear. Have you ever done any busking? You know, that's not really something I've been I've been interested in doing. And <laughs> I would if I had to, but I never have had to. Some people do it because it's a passion, but uh, sometimes I ask the question, other times I don't. <laughs> well, that is absolutely wonderful. I've enjoyed talking with you, Sarah. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being with us, and uh, the best of luck to you and your career as you, you move forward. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Ciao. And that concludes our interview with Sarah. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did in interviewing her. She's a fascinating person. You're going to enjoy her music. And we have more of it, in fact. Stay tuned. And after we're done with these comments, we've got three more of her songs at the end as bonus tracks for you to listen to. Sorry, no backstory to these, but you get the music just the same. All of Sarah's contact music is in the show notes. Her email is sarah at sarahsmithmusic.com. Facebook, just search for Sarah Smith Music Canada. She's on YouTube, again, Sarah Smith. Instagram, at Sarah Smith Music. And you can find her on Spotify also. Thanks for joining us, and let's get to some of that great music.
Happy.